All right, now we're reading through Matthew, and, and this week I'm re- reading in Matthew 9, seeing the people, he felt compassion for them because they were distressed and dispirited like sheep without a shepherd. Have you noticed there's more people in our county than there used to be? When you see the people, do you feel compassion? Uh, are you feel, or do you see them like Jesus did? Jesus saw them. He says, why? They need a shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Isn't that interesting? There's probably 200,000 lost people in our county, and Jesus says they're more willing to come to faith than we are to share. And he says the problem's with the workers, not the harvest. So he says the harvest is plentiful, the workers are few. Therefore, beseech the Lord of the harvest to send out workers into his harvest. And I'm going to do that this morning because there are so many people who need Jesus. And speaking of workers, I mentioned last week, but in our preschool uh, ministry, we, we need five people. There are five opportunities for people to be workers who are willing to be a part of a team and to serve once or twice a month. If you'd be willing to be a part of a team and uh, serve once or twice, once or twice, once or twice, uh, you could mark that on your card. You could talk to Tony. You could talk to Devonya. You would be a huge help of, of helping in the harvest. Uh, elementary, our elementary ministry needs three people. There's three opportunities for workers who would be willing to be a part of a team with another leader who's already in place and serve uh, uh, twice a month. If you'd be willing to be a worker, you, that would be huge, huge. And uh, I'm going to pray for that. And at the same time I pray for that, I'm going to pray that uh, the Lord would send all of us out as workers because there's so many opportunities to point people toward Jesus in our county. So let's pray. Jesus, I pray that you would give us eyes like your eyes, that we would see people the way you see them, that we would see people need Jesus. And Lord, give us hearts like yours to see that they're more willing to to, to come than, than, than we are to share. And Lord, we pray for the, the preschool workers. We pray for the, uh, the, the elementary age workers. Lord, we pray that you would thrust workers who would say, I'd be willing to help. I'd be willing to welcome children. I'd be willing to love them. Won't you? Won't you send out the workers? Lord, raise up people who'd be willing to help and in hospitality and welcome our guests. Lord, raise up small group leaders who'd love to open up a small group and make room for new people. Lord, as we read your word today, may your spirit fall fresh. May you, may you win lost people to you. And, and for those of us who know you, Lord, send out workers. Lord, send us out. Send us out with a love for people. Send us out full of your spirit to, to win people and build and and equip and multiply workers so that every person in our county would have the opportunity to hear the gospel from a friend. And we pray in Jesus' name, amen. Um, do you know what the math books said? Or do you know what the science book said to the math book? Anybody know? You have problems. <laughs> and I know, I know you say, Smiley, you have problems. And I do, and that's why I'm here. I'm here because I have problems, and I really need Jesus to make it through this week. Do you? Man, if you need Jesus to make it through this week, you are in a really good place. Listen, would you like to know Jesus better? 
Listen, I want to invite you to come. What we're doing, we're walking through the book of Colossians together, and many people believe that Colossians is the most Jesus-centered book in the whole Bible, that it speaks about the sufficiency and supremacy of Christ so much. And so we're really glad you're here. We're going to open up the book of Colossians and get to know Jesus better together. So if you have your Bible, turn with me to Colossians 1. And if you don't, you could bring a Bible. It's, it's so good to have a Bible and get to know the Bible because it's a book about Jesus. And um, previously on Colossians, when we left off last week, uh, Paul was praying, and that's what we've been doing this week, right? Paul was praying for fruit-bearing disciples. So we're going to start reading with the last word in verse 11 and continue through verse 14 joyously giving thanks to the Father who has qualified us to share in the inheritance of the saints and the light. For he rescued us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved Son in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. You know what I did this morning? While it was still dark, while it was still dark, I got up and I flipped a switch and light came on in my house. And you know what? I had an opportunity to have breakfast with Jesus because there was light in my house. Do you know there are people throughout the world and most people throughout history would be absolutely amazed that we can flip a switch and have light. Do you know what I did last night? I have a beautiful wife. You know what we did? We went on a date last night. And you know what? We got in our car and it was dark. But you know what happened? I turned this thing in my car and we had headlights. You know what? Headlights enable us to drive. In the, isn't that amazing? Do you realize how many people in history would be amazed we have cars and they'd be amazed we can drive in the dark and not bump into things because we have headlights. Amazing. Oh, so many times I've been sitting in a stadium, a soccer stadium, a football stadium, and you know what happened? They turned on the lights, and you can hear it. It goes like, conk, and I knew. When the lights came on, I knew it was a magical moment because something magical was about to happen. Um, there was a day in my life where Jesus said, let there be light, and it was a magical moment because for the first time in my life, I saw Jesus, and he was so much more amazing than I ever imagined. Remember that day in your life, do you? And if you can't remember that day in your life, perhaps, perhaps today will be that day in your life where Jesus says, let there be light, and you see him in, in a way you've never seen him before. That's what we're going to explore today. The, the point of today's message is that Jesus rescues us. He rescues us. And to me, that raises three questions. It raises, well, if he rescues us, he rescues, he rescues us from what? And then it raises the question, he rescues us by what? How does he do it? And then he rescues us for what, right? By and, and or, or from and by and for. And we see real clearly in our passage that we see in verse 13, he rescued us from the domain of darkness. We were living in darkness, and he rescues us from darkness. 
And, and he does it by his gospel, by the power of the gospel. He rescues us, and then he rescues us for his kingdom, the kingdom of his beloved son. And we see in verse 12 that it's a kingdom of light. So he rescues us for a kingdom of light, a kingdom of marvelous lights. Now, there are only two kingdoms. There's a kingdom of darkness, and there's a kingdom of light. And we have a choice. We can do life and eternity in the darkness, or we can do light and eternity, life and eternity in the light. And I don't know about you, but I love the light. I'm so thankful that Jesus has rescued me so that I can do life and eternity in the light. Aren't you glad he rescued you, aren't you? Now, I'm going to um, go back to my point, but I'm going to show you something a little different here, okay? See how the RE is big, Jesus rescues us? Uh, see the RE? We're going to start in the next few weeks to go and develop a rich theological vocabulary of rewords, rewords. There's a lot of rewords dealing with our salvation. And the more we understand them, the more we appreciate what it means to have eternal life. Next week, we're going to come back and, I mean, today we look at Jesus rescues us. Next week, we're going to come back and read about redemption. We're going to unpack verse 14, in whom we have redemption. See, we're going to learn about redemption, the forgiveness of sins. And then a few weeks later, a few weeks later, we're going to come to verse 19. For it was the Father's good pleasure for all the fullness to dwell in him. And through him, there it is again, to reconcile all things. We're going to look at reconcile. There's others, renew and restore, right? And all these rewords, they all preach the gospel to us. What they tell us is we had something, and then we lost it. And then Jesus comes, and Jesus restores it partially now, and it will be fully restored in the future. The, all the rewords mean we had something, we lost it. Jesus restores it partially now and, and completely in the future. Uh, let me illustrate. One of my favorite favorite. One of my favorite rewords is rejoice, is rejoice. And in Psalm 118, verse 24, Ed read it this morning. It says, this is the day which the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. So what that means is we lost something. We lost our joy, right? I'm trying to equip you to understand the Bible is one story, one story, but it has four chapters. There's creation and fall and redemption and consummation. And that story explains how we lost something and it's being restored. So in chapter one, there was joy. We were created for joy. We were created for a person and a place and the earth was filled with joy. And then we, we lost it, right? And that's what the fall is called. We lost our joy. Because through sin, there's no person and no place. And then chapter 3, redemption, is Jesus came to restore. And the moment we believe in him, he restores our joy in part because we have the person we were created for. But it's not here fully because we're, we're still not in the place. Oh, but one day soon, Jesus is coming back, right? And then he's going to restore our joy in full because we're going to have the person and place that we were created for in the first place. So the word rejoice means we had it, we lost it. Jesus has restored it a little bit, and in the future, he'll restore it fully. And the reason 
We get up each day and say, this is the, Lord, the, the day which the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad. Is because when we go to bed at night, we experience gospel amnesia. We forget all that we had learned the day before. So we have to get up and we need to rejoice. And then we remember that we had joy. We lost our joy. Jesus has restored it partially, and one day it will be restored in full. But today we're not going to explore rejoice Today we're going to learn to explore, to, to explore rescue, rescue. So what is it that we once had that we lost? We once lived in the light. We've lost the light. You see, chapter one of the story is that we were created for light. Adam and Eve walked in light. They worked, walked, walked, slow down. They walked with God in paradise on earth, and there was light. There was light, person and place. And then our first parents sinned against God, and we lost the light. There was darkness. There was darkness, no person, no place. And then chapter 3, Jesus comes to restore the light. The moment we believe in Jesus, we have light. We have the person, so we're walking in the light, but we're still not in the place of the light. Oh, but when Jesus comes back, he's going to restore the light fully. Remember a couple weeks ago we're reading through the Bible? Wasn't it so good to get to the end of Revelation and realize that in the end we win? And when we were reading about Jesus winning in the end, in chapter 21 of Revelation, verse 23, and the city has no need of the sun or of the moon to shine on it, for the glory of God has illumined it, and its lamp is the Lamb. You ever just dream about that on the new earth? It's going to be lit. It's, the, the light's going to come from the Lamb. The Lamb's going to fill the new earth with light. The light's going to be restored fully. The nations will walk by its light, and the kings of the earth will bring their glory into it in the daytime, for there will be no night there. And all the people who love sleep go, boo, right? But you know what it's saying? There won't be any evil there. There won't be any evil there. That light that light that was there in the beginning that we long for, that was lost, that's partially restored now, will be fully restored one day. Aren't you glad? Aren't you glad? So that's what we're going to be unpacking today, that Jesus rescues us, okay? He rescues us from, he rescues us from the domain of darkness. We once lived in darkness, and he rescues us by the gospel, by the power of the gospel. The gospel is the power of God to save anyone. It's powerful enough to move anyone, to transfer anyone from the kingdom of darkness to the kingdom of his beloved son. And here's how Jesus does that. He loves us so much. He sends someone to share the gospel with us. But not only does he send someone to share the gospel, but he sends the Holy Spirit to draw us to Jesus because we would never come to Jesus on our own. Um, let me read you this. In 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 3, And even if our gospel is veiled, it is veiled to those who are perishing. I mean, do you ever... You talk to someone and, and they have no interest in Jesus and you say, how, how, can, you not, how can you not be interested in him? Because they've been blinded, they can't see. You see Jesus, they don't. That's why you see him as amazing and they don't. It's veiled to them. Why? In whose case the God of this world 
has blinded the minds of the unbelieving so that they might not see the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ who is the image of God. They've been blinded. I mean, think about our culture. We just had Christmas, right? And our culture is far more fascinated with the fat guy with the beard who gives gifts that break and fall away to good boys and girls. We're more fascinated with the fat guy who gives gifts that break and fall away to good boys and girls than we are to the baby born to die, to give the greatest gift that will never perish to bad boys and girls. Man, I could never get a gift for being a good boy or girl, but Jesus gives gifts to bad. I get a gift from Jesus, right? Isn't it true? Isn't our country far more fascinated with the fat guy than with Jesus, isn't it? And every day when people go to work, every day when people go to work, they're far more fascinated with making money than they are with the one who's giving them the ability to make money. Oh, do we go to work every day saying, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. You've given me the ability to make money. Thank you. For we do not preach ourselves, but Christ Jesus as Lord and ourselves as your bondservants for Jesus' sake. Listen, we preach the gospel. We don't preach try harder. We preach Jesus is amazing. And then, oh, this next verse. This is so good. For God who said, light shall shine out of darkness. You ever wish you could have been there? That God made everything, but it was what it was? Dark. And then God spoke, and the universe was filled with light. I wasn't there, but let me tell you about a moment I was there. Listen to this. Listen to this. For God who said light shall shine out of darkness is the one who is shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Christ. I will never... Forget when Jesus said, let there be light. And my heart was filled with the light of God. And I saw Jesus. And when I saw him, I saw myself differently than I had ever seen myself. And I said, uh-oh, I'm in trouble. Have you ever seen yourself as you really are? In Isaiah 53, 6, this is the bad news of the gospel. All of us like sheep have gone astray. Each of us has turned to his own way. And when I saw Jesus, then I saw the way I had treated my parents who loved me and all the ugliness of my sin, and I had offended God. And I saw all the lies that I had told and how offensive that was to God and all the things that I had stolen. I saw how I had sinned against God and I was in big trouble. And I saw how I had abused alcohol and, and drugs and I had sinned against God and I deserved hell and I was overwhelmed. How about you? Have the lights ever come on in your life? Maybe they're coming on now. Listen, I'm not the only sinner. The Bible says all of us like sheep have gone astray. Each of us has turned to his own way. And listen to us, I saw myself and I was overwhelmed with my sin. Then I saw Jesus as I had never seen him before. I saw that he loved me 
and he came to earth for me. Have you ever seen that? How much he loves you that he came for you, that God the Son put on flesh and came to earth to rescue me from darkness to light, right? He lived a perfect life for me, and then he died in my place for my sins. All of us like sheep have gone astray. Each of us has turned to his own way, but the Lord has caused the iniquity of us all to fall on him. Oh, man. When I saw Jesus on the cross, not just for the sins of the world, but for my sins, that was a game changer for me. Isn't it for you? He died for my sins. He died for our sins. He died, but he didn't stay dead. On the third day, he rose. And do you know what? The verse that changed my, mind, changed my life, Jesus said, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will commend him and will dine with him and he with me. Do you know that Jesus knows my name? If you're a Christian, he, know, he knows my name. And Jesus said, smiling, I want to forgive you. And when you've seen your sin, you want to be forgiven. Yes, Lord. And Jesus said, listen, I want to be your Savior. And, and listen, let's do life together. Let's do eternity together. And when you've seen Jesus, you say, yes. Listen, there was a day I heard him knocking. And because I saw my sin and I saw what an amazing Savior was, he, I received him as my Savior and Lord. And listen, if you're seeing your sin for the first time and you're seeing how he's amazing, won't you receive him? How? I admitted, Jesus, I've sinned against you and I'm sorry. And won't you do that? And then I said, Jesus, I believe that you died on the cross for my sins. And then I committed to my life to him. I said, Jesus, come in and forgive me. Oh, it's so good to be forgiven, won't you? And give me the gift of eternal life. In our culture, freaked out by death, isn't it great to know you can live forever? And listen, Jesus moved in as Lord, and I said, I, I want to follow you. Won't you receive him? You can do that right now, or I'd be glad to help you as we close in prayer. And um, if you've done that, listen to what happened. Jesus said, Behold, I stand at the door knock. If anyone hears my voice, I will commend him and will dine with him and he with me. One day when I received Jesus, the light of the world, the light of the world moved into me and we get to do life together and that changes everything, doesn't it? The light of the world moved into me. And if you're a Christian, the light of the world has moved into you. Um, our city is named after Augustine, who I believe is the greatest theologian in the history of the church. And so the next time someone says to you in our woke culture that Christianity is a European religion, you need to say, no, it's an Eastern religion. My Savior came from Jerusalem. And the greatest theologian in the history of the church is an African. Augustine was an African, and the greatest theologian in the history of the church was an African. That's important for us to know. And what Augustine said is we must not seek to understand in order to believe, but we must believe in order to understand. And I tell you, when Jesus moved into me, all kinds of things that had never made sense all of a sudden began to make sense. You know why? Because the light of the world moved in. And when the light of the world moves in, you understand things you didn't before. Um, I mean, <clears throat> here's what it's like. If you go downtown and, and you walk by the Trinity Episcopal Church and you look at the stained glass windows from the outside, they're not very impressive. 
And then you can walk a little bit and you can go to the Memorial Presbyterian Church and you could look at the stained glass windows from the outside. They're not very impressive. But if you go into Trinity or you go into Memorial Church and you look and you say, wow, wow, there's so much more amazing than I ever imagined. That's what happened to me. That's what happened to me. The moment Jesus moved into my life, my life changed from being a black and white movie to a color movie. It did. And listen, looking out with Jesus in me, the world looked totally different. I mean, anybody like the Wizard of Oz? Anybody like the Wizard of Oz? You remember that magical moment, don't you? I mean, the house is what? The house is circling, right, and coming down, right? And then it lands. And then Dorothy does what? She opens what? She opens the front door and what? The movie changes, doesn't it? It changes from black and white to color. That's what happened in my life. Didn't it happen in yours too when you met Jesus? Isn't that what the Bible says? Listen, and I'm sure you haven't forgotten our walk through 1 Peter, right? Remember in 1 Peter 2, verse 9, but you are a chosen race a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for God's own possession, so that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness and it was marvelous light. When Jesus moved in, everything changed. It changed from black and white to color. For you once were not a people, now you are the people, but now you are the people of God. You would not receive mercy, but now you have received mercy. Jesus changed. Jesus had been black and white, a person in history, but now he was in color. He was my savior. He was my friend. Jesus changed. I loved him. I wanted to know him and follow him because he was in color. Isn't that true of you? Listen, when Jesus moved in, the church changed. Listen, the church went from black and white to color. These were Jesus' people. I wanted to go. I wanted to be with God's people. Listen, when I met Jesus, lost people changed. They were nuisances and bothers. And then I met Jesus, and I thought, they need Jesus just like I do. They moved from being black and white to color. Oh, for the first time in my life, I know who I was. I got an identity with Jesus. I'm a, I'm a Christian. I'm a disciple. Listen, my identity went from black and white to color. I got a community, a place to belong. I had never felt like I belonged because I wasn't good enough. <laughs> and then I found the church. You have to fail to belong. That's where I belong. Listen, I found a place. I'm a part of a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for God's own possession. Once, it was true, once I didn't have a people, but now you're the people of God. Man, I found an identity and a community and a purpose. My whole life had been about me. My whole life had been about me. And then I met Jesus and I had a purpose. Listen to what he says. God saved us so that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. That was many years ago. I wanted to tell everyone I still do, don't you? Oh, I found a future. I found a hope. You know, where am I going? I knew the one I was doing life with, I was going to spend eternity with. And I began to follow Jesus. I began to follow him. And in John 8, verse 12, uh, Jesus said, I am the light of the world. He who follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. I discovered that when I follow Jesus, that I can know right from wrong. Isn't that great? Isn't it great to know right from wrong? Because as I follow Jesus, he says, I'm not only the way, he says, I'm the truth. Have you noticed we live in a culture 
We live in a culture that's determined to do life without God. Have you noticed that? And when you do life without God, you live in the darkness. And when you live in the darkness, you're filled with moral confusion. But listen, I'm not confused morally because, listen, I'm following the light, aren't you? Oh, so many issues that our culture is so confused on, the Bible is so clear on. We have light. In Matthew, we're almost there. In Matthew 19, verse 3, some Pharisees came to Jesus testing him and asking, is it lawful for a man to divorce his wife for any reason at all? You need to know the Jewish people were divided. Some people believe divorce should be very difficult, and other people believe that the divorce should be very easy. They were a divided people. <laughs> Does that sound familiar? Isn't our culture divided on everything? And, and, and so they asked Jesus. They thought he would pick a side. But look what Jesus does. Um, and he answered them, have you not read? <laughs> I love that. Ask religious leaders, haven't you ever read the Bible? Have you not read that he who created them from the beginning made them male and female? Now notice, they wanted to have a cultural discussion way downstream. They wanted to have a cultural, that's what our culture wants to debate us about things way downstream. But notice what Jesus does. Jesus says, no, no, I'm going to go all the way to the beginning. Let's talk about God's design, okay? Not how we've messed it all up. Let's talk about God's design. And, and Jesus agrees with me, well, maybe I agree with him, that the first verse in the Bible is the most important verse. Because he, he goes back to the first verse and says, have you, not create, have you not read that he who created them? So God created them. Now notice, he created them from the beginning, male and female. There it is. The Bible teaches that God made two biological sexes, male and female. Our culture's confused. We shouldn't be. And he made them male and female for a purpose and said, for this reason, a man, isn't it nice to know God made us male and female? Because he has a purpose for our life. So he says, here's the reason. For this reason, a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. So they are no longer two, but one flesh. What therefore God has joined together, let no man separate. To walk in the light means when we have moral questions, we don't get online and look up answers, that we open the word of God and we read that God made us male and female, that God instituted marriage as the permanent union of one man and one woman. And when people get married, then God gives them a gift called sex. And the purpose of sex in the Bible, the first purpose is to have children. And that's why you need a male and female. Men and women come together in marriage to be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth, and kids deserve to grow up with their mom and dad, right? So God gives a gift to be enjoyed in marriage so that we can have children to, to bring a man and woman to, to, together in oneness and, and for pleasure. And do you know that walking in the light is good for us? It's good for men to get married. It's good for women to get married. It's good for husbands and wives to have sex. It's good for them. It's good, it's good for them to have children. It's good for children to grow up with their mom and dad. That's good. That's good for the church. It's good for society. It's good for human flourishing. That's what walking in the light is all about. So listen, Jesus rescues us from darkness 
by the power of his gospel to walk in the light, to walk in the light, to follow the light, and then also, also that we would then light up the darkness, that we would then light up the darkness. Reading through Matthew, wasn't it good when we read in Matthew chapter 5? Remember, we read Matthew 5, verse 14, you are the light of the world. Now, notice he doesn't say Washington, D.C. is the light of the world. I mean, do you, ever, do you ever in conversations about how, you know, our civil government needs to change everything? And listen, I'm all for voting and all, but I want you to know it didn't say that the government is the light of the world. It said you are the light of the world. And if it's dark in our culture, guess why? Why? Because we're not shining, right? Uh, you are the light of the world. Now, notice this. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden. So you... Listen, you're not alone. You're a part of a church. And your church is a part of God's kingdom, and we're here to light up the darkness. Um, Many years ago, we're living in Boca Raton, and there's a couple in our church who were from North Lauderdale, which was a couple of cities down from us. And one Christmas, they said, uh, you need to come down and see this house by us. You won't believe the lights. And young people, there was a time before GPS, so, so I said, like, how are we going to find this place? And you know what they said? You'll find it. Just drive to our house, and you'll find it. So sure enough, we drive down 441, and we start driving. Toward, we're a mile or two away, and we see it. it ju- I mean, if you could have seen the electric meter, I can't imagine. It just glowed. Millions and millions of lights, it seemed. But you know what? Each of the lights was a little light, but each light was on a strand, and the strands were joined one to another, and together, together those little bitty lights, they lit up the darkness, and anyone anywhere around was attracted to the light. That's us. We might be little lights, but when we're joined together, and we're a part of his church, and we're a part of his kingdom, our lives can light up the darkness. That's what Jesus has us here for. Listen, a city set on a hill cannot be hidden, nor does anyone light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on the lampstand, and and it gives light to all who are in the house. Listen, I keep talking to these Christians who are moving out of the world. They think the world's too crazy. They're getting out. That's not why we're here. We have to be in the world to accomplish our mission. We're here to light up the darkness. We're supposed to be different from the world. That's why we're light, but we need to be in the world, but not of the world and for the world. We're here so that people who don't know Jesus would see him. Um, Nor does anyone... Put it under a basket, but under the lamp stand, and it gives light to those who are in the house. Let your light shine before men in such a way that they may see your good works and glorify your Father who is in heaven. So listen, we're here walking in the light, and he says, let your light shine. Let your light shine. And you say, how? Well, we get a chance on Sundays when we get up in our neighborhoods while others stay in bed and we gather together to worship the Lord, we light up the darkness. When we sing, when we serve, when we hear God's word, we're lighting up the darkness on Sunday. And then comes what? Monday. And on Monday through Saturday, then we, we scatter, don't we? We scatter throughout where we live, work, and play to light up the darkness. Every time we do the light thing in our neighborhood. 
Every time we do the light thing at work, every time we do the light thing on our team, we're lighting up the darkness. Do you go out each day excited? Lord, help me. Help me today to do the light thing. Help me to light up the darkness. Listen, as we go out and we share, we share with others the, the good news of Jesus Christ, we're a part of lighting up the darkness. So, so far we've learned, so far we've learned let's, that Jesus rescues us from the domain of darkness by the power of his gospel for his kingdom of light. We get to walk in the light. We get to be a part of lighting up the darkness. And so I've got a really, really, really good action step for you this week. You know what I want you to do this week? I want you to... I actually put the wrong action step there. Is there another one? What I meant to put up there is enjoy Jesus. <laughs> Please rescue me from myself, Jesus. <laughs> what I want you to do is to enjoy Jesus. He's rescued us, so, so let's enjoy him. Do you see his invitation? I am the light of the world. He who follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Listen, we get to spend time with Jesus. Wow, we get to spend time with him. We get to follow him. Listen, and then let's take Jesus everywhere we go this week because when we take Jesus with us, everything turns from black and white to color. Hey, take Jesus with you to work. Take with Jesus with you to work and work will go from black and white to color that you'll realize you're working for Jesus. You're lighting up the darkness in your work. When you go to the beach, take Jesus with you. Do you know when you go to the beach, the people who don't know Jesus, the beach is in black and white? Do you know that? But man, if you're a Christian, it's in color. Wow, this world is so beautiful. You see the dolphins playing. Wow, God, thank you for making this for your glory and for our joy. When you go to the zoo, take Jesus with you. A couple years ago, Karen and I were in San Diego. We went to the San Diego Zoo. We had like the most worshipful time I, have, we, I almost have ever had. And we were surrounded by people. It was all black and white. I mean, they're reading signs that say, 200 million years ago, this happened. But we're seeing zebras and saying, oh God, you are so amazing. We got to see giraffes drink water. Have you ever seen that? I mean, they're meant for getting things out of tree, but to drink water, they have spread their legs and, and bend over. And we're just saying, Lord, you are so amazing. Thank you. Thank you for this beautiful world you've made us to enjoy. We get to enjoy Jesus in the zoo. And then we saw these baboons. And I'm not really good with primates. I think they were baboons. And moms, you can identify with this. They're with this mom, and she was really tired, and all she wanted to do was take a nap. But she had a little boy. And he just kept coming up and hitting her and hitting her. And we're just watching this and we're having the time of our lives because Jesus turns black and white things into color and finally she's had enough and she just whacks him. <laughs> and we're just laughing so hard because we were enjoying, Jesus, we were enjoying walking in the light. Um, so this week, Enjoy walking in the light. Spend time with Jesus. Follow him. Take him with you everywhere. He turns everything from black and white to color. And then, and then enjoy lighting up the darkness. Enjoy lighting up the darkness. Oh, This week, where you live and where you work and where you play, ask Jesus, help me to do the light thing. When you have decisions to make, ask Jesus, help me to do the light thing. Help me to help light up the darkness.
And, and then listen, when we share Jesus with others, we're helping to light up the darkness. I mean, when people enjoy things, they want to tell everyone, right? Now, God has a great sense of humor. My next-door neighbor are Georgia fans. And um, was there a game Monday, something like that? And he usually ha- they usually have this little sign out front of Georgia. But this week, they had this huge thing, covered half the house. And they didn't put the flag facing the street. They put the flag facing my house. <laughs> so every day, I got to come out and see that. My wife loves investigative discovery. They have snows, shows like Snapped and Fear Thy Neighbor. Smiley, you have issues. Oh, I have so, so many issues. But you know what? Nobody had to tell my neighbor, hang a banner. Nobody had to tell him, hang a banner and tell everyone that Georgia won the national championship. Do you know after 41 years when they won, they're so thrilled, they want to tell everyone. Imagine us that we realized for years and years we walked in the darkness. And now, now we get to walk in the light. Wouldn't we want to tell people? Now, there used to be something called newspapers. Remember that? And what would happen every January in a newspaper, they would put something in the newspaper that talked about the first baby born in the new year. They would put in who the first baby in St. Augustine that was born. And so I want to read you about the first baby born at Good News. We get the right thing. And this isn't a physical baby. This is a, a, a spiritual baby. This is from Joe and Sally Moore, used with permission. A praise report from Sally and Joe. Today we had a wonderful young couple over for lunch who were passing through St. Augustine. We met them on our summer trip to South Dakota. I didn't know anybody who lived in South Dakota, but uh, we met them on our summer trip to South Dakota, Jim and Amy, and exchanged contact information. Now we're really trying to encourage you to be a witness where you live, work, and play. And so this story starts on the playground on a vacation, but it's going to move from the playground in South Dakota to their home here in St. Augustine. Because when they came here on vacation, we served them lunch on our back porch and had a great conversation which led to discussion on our faith. I gave them a Jesus sign, a Herm sign, and our good news, do you know, booklet. And then I read it to them, do you know that you're going to heaven? And Amy said she wanted to know, uh, and, and Jim said, uh, he, Jim wasn't sure, so we read through the booklet together, which affirmed Amy's faith, and Jim prayed the prayer of confession and asked, in faith, listen, The prayer of confession and faith listed in the booklet, the ABCs. He signed the booklet and wrote in the date January the 11th, 2022. That's the day he put his faith in Jesus and now knows he's going to heaven. I don't have to tell you, but it will, I will anyway. There was lots of laughter and celebration today. We discussed how to grow as a Christian, and we gave them a Bible to take with them and an assignment to read the Gospel of John and pray back to God what they read each day. Isn't that what we're trying to learn, to read the Word and pray the Word and then share the Word? 
We will continue to keep up with them regularly. Sally and I am so happy, as happy as we can be, and just praising and thanking God. So that's the story of the first baby born this year at Good News. And let's give God thanks for that. And wouldn't it be an amazing year if week by week we all had those stories of how we shared with Christ with others and were a part of lighting up the darkness. So how do we get there? You know how we get there? We enjoy Jesus. That's how. The way we'll get there is we enjoy Jesus. We enjoy spending time with him. We enjoy following him. We enjoy following him. And, and, and then we can be a part of enjoying, enjoying lighting up the darkness. Amen. Oh, it's going to be a great year. Let's learn how to enjoy Jesus together. Let's pray. Jesus, thank you for coming into the darkness to save us out of the darkness. Lord, thank you for dying and rising for sinners so that we could have eternal life. And listen, if you're here and you'd like to be forgiven, if you'd like to move from darkness to light, won't you just tell Jesus, Jesus, I've sinned against you and, and I'm sorry. And I believe you died on the cross for my sins and rose. And I want you to come in and be my Savior and forgive me and, and give me eternal life. I want you to be Lord of my life and help me be the person you want me to be. Well, if you've done that for the first time, won't you mark that on your card? We'd love to celebrate with you. Put it in the box. <laughs> tell someone. And Jesus, I pray, all of us who know you, that this morning we would have had a little bit of time to remember, to remember that day when you said, let there be light, and the light came on, and we saw our sin, and we saw you, and we said yes to you. And Lord, how, I pray that we would remember that you've moved into us so that we can walk in the light. Lord, help us to enjoy walking in the light this week. And Lord, this week... Help us, help us to light up the darkness. With every decision we make this week, Lord, help us to remember to do the light thing, to do the light thing. And Lord, open up opportunities for us to share with others about how amazing you are that you called us out of darkness into your marvelous light. For we pray in Jesus' name.